briefly, if he's going to be brief, <laughs> on uh, leadership in the house of God. Leadership in the house of God. I uh, consider those that are able to make it on Wednesday, especially holiday season. <laughs> You're looking for something from God. But once you become a believer, um, God is wanting you to grow up and become a leader in his house. And I'm very conscious of this, that the young ones will grow up and take over from us. But they have to be prepared. And some people have been in the faith for a while, and they still can't handle leadership. Uh, So... It's much to leadership. Father, I just ask that you speak to us tonight, minister to us, and give us understanding from your word so we know how to walk with our God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in the church, many have been placed in positions of leadership uh, just because uh, they look refined, disciplined, just the look. It looks good. It looks good. So, uh, passes away. He, he, he's good for this. We'll make him a leader in our church. Some people are brought into leadership because they exhibit a lot of zeal. Pastors have made a lot of mistakes with people who are new converts. They have a lot of zeal. They talk a lot and they seem so excited. And then we make the mistake of placing them in a uh, position of leadership. And many people have been destroyed because of that. Uh, sometimes people are placed in leadership because they exhibit some spiritual gift, the gift of manifestation, the manifestation gift. You know, they can speak in tongues and interpret. So they seem excited about the Lord. He's full of the Holy Spirit, we think. And so you want to put them in a place of leadership. And sometimes that's a real mistake. I will confess that I've made a lot of mistakes when it comes to that. Uh, since we started this church. And uh, it's hard to, I, I guess, I have no choice. You know, we, have to, we need some people who put them in place of leadership, and then it turns out it's a disappointment. I won't tell you their names, so please don't ask. <laughs> but that's the way it goes. Even though I know these things, but sometimes we need people. And uh, we're looking at the outward. But true leadership comes from God. God actually calls you into leadership. But you have to desire to be in the place of leadership. Otherwise, you are not going to place yourself in a place where God will look to you and say, Well, I need this person. Now, a man can make you a leader. doesn't mean God considers you a leader in the church. It's what you do and the result of what you do in the body that determines whether God has placed you in that place or not. Because if God has called you into it, people will benefit from it, and people will follow. Uh, but if God hasn't placed you, you walk for a while, because man is placed you, then there will be confusion and uh, all kinds of difficulties. Now, I want to share something with you from the scriptures in Psalm 75, 6-7. It says, For exaltation comes, that's promotion, comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. You see, God is the one who decides. 
God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. Now in uh, John chapter 3 verse 27, John the Baptist was saying this, no one can receive anything from the Lord. I mean, receive anything, he says, except it be given to him from above. You cannot receive anything except it's given to you from above. That's in John chapter 3, verse 27. So, God himself is the one that calls to leadership. I want to show you something that's really curious from the scripture. Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. Notice how... You're comfortable with the word Paul and Barnabas because that's what you recognize. But when they were called initially, it wasn't Paul and Barnabas. It was Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. And it was the Holy Ghost that did that. The Holy Spirit gave us that in the scriptures. I like to read it. Uh, I'm sure three seconds we get there. It's uh, Acts 13. Beginning from verse 2. It says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul. So who is the leader of this group? Barnabas. For the work to which I have called them. Notice it was the Holy Spirit that called them that way. He said, Barnabas. Barnabas and Saul. But I shall read for the notice what happens here. Uh, verse 3 says, Then having fasted and prayed, uh, they laid hands on them and they sent them away. So being sent, as verse 4, they being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. From there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. That's John Mark, the one that wrote the book of Mark. It says, now, when they had gone through the islands in Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and Saul to hear the word of God. But early mass, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So he was resisting the word of God. Now, this is where things began to change for Saul. Sometimes God places you in a situation where he is about to change things in your life. Your action will determine whether you get his promotion or not. See, sometimes God, you know this, you may be sitting in a congregation, and many of our believers don't understand this. God, somebody will give a word of, a word in tongues, like we had tonight. And God will give you the word, and we've had that happen a lot. In church, God will give you maybe just a word. Now, with tongues and interpretation, God never tells you everything. He gives you just a few words. You have the gist and you, just a few words sometimes, and that's all He gives you. 
And you say, well, Lord, give me everything. He says, uh uh-uh. Say what I've given to you first. Now, you say those words, and then he puts orders. But usually in the church, Christians are afraid. They are concerned about what people think. And if you are still concerned about what people think about you, you can be a leader. Now, with speaking in tongues and interpretation, when you resist... We know possibly you are afraid of making mistakes. You don't want to make mistakes because you don't want people to feel bad about you. You don't want them to talk bad about you. What was that? <laughs> you know, so you hold that back and then what God does, He leaves you. He goes to another person and the person gives the word. Now it's going to be a long time before He talks to you again. Doesn't despise you. You're still His child. He just knows I can do business with this person. And guess what? The one who is bold and unafraid of what people think and they step out, they give rest on them. And that's what happened to Paul here. Barnabas and Saul, they were standing there uh, listening to this guy and he was resisting. But look at what Paul did in verse 9. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, now notice his name is changed for the first time we are told he's now called Paul. Initially, when the Holy Ghost called him, he said, separate Barnabas and Saul. But now the Holy Ghost has changed that. Remember, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit now changes this, and now he says, uh, Saul, so you know who Paul is, who who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of of deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? Now, if a pastor says that to a person in the congregation, guess what's going to happen to everybody? What was that? Did you see how, did you see how he talked to that man in the open like that? We will be offended, right? <laughs> the whole church will be offended. What kind of pastor is this? How can he talk that? You son of the devil. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> how can you call a man the son of the devil? Are you sure that was the Holy Spirit? That's the way we think because we think in natural ways. But Paul was not afraid. He spoke to him clearly. In verse 11, it says, Now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and not totally blind, not blind forever, for a time. Just to demonstrate God's power, that God was in this. A dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed. I mean, why wouldn't you believe after seeing a miracle like that? <laughs> and the sure of power, the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. What teaching? Just what he just saw. What he heard from Paul and from Elymas, big difference. And he saw the result. And he says, man, I believe this. Paul, you pray for me. Lay your hands on me right now. I'm going to receive the Lord. 
Now look at verse 13. Now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, now it's changed. It's no longer Barnabas and his party because you had John Mark. It's now Paul. And from then on, it's always Paul and Barnabas. Switched it. Barnabas was a good man. No doubt, but he could tell us most pastors will, you know, will rebel. I'm gone. I'm not working with you anymore. And he get jealous. Barnabas was not like that. He understood this is the work of the Holy Spirit. That was his nature from the beginning. The Bible tells us Barnabas was a good man. He knew that this was the Holy Ghost. You be, you preach now. He was a good preacher. But from then on, he backed away. You do the preaching, I'll stand with you. We do the miracles together. And God used them greatly. Jealousy is a terrible thing. We're coming to that. It's hard to be a leader in the house of God for a long time. If you are given to jealousy and envy. It's going to be a hard time. Because you try to stop everybody. <laughs> you try to do it. We just have to realize it's not about you. It's about the Lord. So exaltation comes from the Lord. The Lord promoted, you know, with man, Barnabas will always be the leader, right? Well, God switched that up and confirmed it. And today, most of the New Testament from Paul, God confirmed it. God is the one that exalts a man. To be a leader in the house of God, you have to desire it. You have to desire it. But when people desire to be leaders in the natural dominance, you understand what I'm saying? To control people. That's what they're looking for. I want to be up here so I can control, so people can see me. I have power. It's, I've never seen politics like I've seen. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of politics until I became a pastor. There's a lot of politics in church. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. You know? That's not funny. But <laughs> a lot of politics in church, in church because people are envious, you know, try to prevent and all of that. And uh, this person gets praised, and this person doesn't get praised. People get offended. Um, it's not for control. If your heart is in it, and you work really hard, you might get the place. But God didn't place you there. When it's all over, you will embarrass yourself. True. Because God has not called you there. It's okay to desire leadership, but you have to understand in the kingdom of God, leadership means you desire to serve. If you're wanting to be up there, but your desire is not to give of yourself for the benefit of others, you have no place in leadership. You, you shouldn't even think about it. Because when you get there, you will destroy others and destroy yourself. When God gives you the right heart 
and the desire is to pour out yourself on others for their benefit, to serve them, to see that they're doing well, not you, but they are doing well, then that desire must be coming from the Lord. That's why God said, the desires of a righteous man shall be granted. Notice, a righteous man should desire righteous desires, right? So if your desires are not right, that is not going to be granted. Now you can make it happen, but God is not in it. They can make you a king, but God may not be in it. And so you destroy others and destroy yourself. So you must desire to pour out yourself. You, it's a, a place of a servant. Leadership in the church is not like leadership in the world. You are there to serve. And you must recognize that if you are desiring to do that. Basically, a leader is looking for something to do in the church that will help the church grow. You don't need the position. You know, people call doctors, apostles. I mean, it's the result that tells people who you really are in the faith. It's not the title. It's really not the title. But people just run after title. They want to, they want the title. I, I am the minister this, I am the pastor this, and the title doesn't mean anything. And not with God, it doesn't mean anything. Is God confirming the words with signs following, depending on what is being done, that's what makes it real. That's what touches life. So Matthew chapter 20, uh, 25 through 28 tells us, but Jesus called them to himself and said they were looking for positions, leadership. Who is going to be first? Who is going to be the one that is going to sit by Jesus to the right and to the place of power? Jesus said, oh, this is not a bad place of power. Not control, you know, telling people what to do, running people around. And, and that's not what this is all about. Jesus called them to himself. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Those who are leaders among the Gentiles, they are like lords. You know that. And those who are great exercise authority over them. That's those that are big, great guys. They exercise their authority. They don't serve them. They make them serve the leaders. It says, yet it shall not be so among you. Basically, this is not the way it works in the kingdom. If you really want to be a leader, you, this is not the way to go. But whoever desires to become, whoever desires, if you desire to become great in the kingdom of God among your brethren, let him, let that person be your servant. In other words, the thing is to serve. The place of uh, serving in your heart, that's where it begins. You want to serve. That's when you will become great. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Then he tells us, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He demonstrated that a lot in his life. Uh, you remember, right, at the Lord's Supper, they all just came in, and their feet were dirty. You, if you have been in Nigeria, you know what I'm talking about. It's all dusty. <laughs> if you walk for a while, 
And if you've been wearing sandals, you need your feet washed because it'd be kicked. It's not like Houston, okay? <laughs> and so they needed their feet washed. But no one was doing it. Jesus did it. He served them. So he came to serve. You know, humans value uh, things based on gifts. But God is really looking for character. A man of God said, gifts, gifts are easy. Jerks can operate in them. <laughs> so gifts are easy. You, can't, you don't go by gifts. It's not by the man's gift. They can speak. Not all of that with the Lord. We cannot rely on gifts. Remember, there's a book. I don't know if you read the book, God's Generals. I encourage you to buy that book. I think they have three volumes now. Uh, Angela and I, we just got the remaining two. Uh, That book will really put some fear in your heart. Especially if you are in place of leadership. I know most of us have heard about uh, uh, William Seymour. Okay. Did you know he died brokenhearted? Alone? Nobody talks about that today. Uh, you read about them. A. A. Allen, that was a great healing minister. No character, supposedly. He died a drunk. When he died in his burial, none of the ministers, you have John G. Lake, F. F. Bosworth, and many of them. T.L. Osborne. I think that hurt. It was only T.L. Osborne that was bold enough to go. The rest of them didn't want to be associated with him. He was a drunk. And yet had a powerful healing ministry. Um, one of the earlier ones, uh, actually before his death, he believed it was uh, Elijah, the prophet. And he was the high priest. He had, I mean, they had a picture of him. He had uh, the high priestly garment with the 12 stone stripes of Israel, long robe, and a huge hat, you know, pointing to the sky. (laughs) He thought he was Elijah, and yet God used him mightily in healings and all kinds of stuff. It's not the gift. God is looking to character. It's based on character. Samson was, I believe God gave us Samson to give us an example. Samson, God called. He was supposed to be the leader of the people of Israel, the judge. He wasn't any leader. The people were telling him what to do. At the stage, they, they, they had to bind him to give him back, you know, to the Philistines. He had the gift. No character. He destroyed himself. And caused a lot of pain to the people of Israel. So gifts are easy. Character is what God is looking for. Leadership, leadership in the body of Christ has a lot of demand. And we can tell, see this. Uh, I'd like to go to First Timothy 
chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, some of uh, leadership's demands. I will read through this. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, you know, a bishop, what's that? That's a pastor, right? Huh? Baptist Church. (laughs) Man, I want to be a bishop, right? If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. Notice not a good position, right? You desire a good work. It's work to be a bishop. So if you're thinking position, then your heart is not right. It's you're called to serve. You desire a good work. You are going to be serving. That's what the scripture is saying. It's good to desire it. Nowadays, you know, we like to make it real spiritual. The Lord called me. <laughs> I know the Lord can call. And he'll tell you, go do this. But sometimes he puts it through your desire. Most of the time it's through your desire. I think we were taught wrongly, so... We had to hear from the Lord. And that really, I'm, I'm not sure I'm happy to be a minister at this point, but a lot of people told me earlier, God, are you running from the call of God? And I said to them, God didn't call me. You're the one who's calling me. <laughs> because I have been taught you have to hear the voice of God. Amen. I had the desire. I loved ministry. I always loved ministry. Annie Jackson will tell you that. I preached at everyone around me. <laughs> I just love talking about God. Oh, I preached to people who Bible studies. I acted like a pastor. But if you tell me that you, are you running from the call of God? I'll tell you, you're the one calling me. God didn't call me, and I'm not going to go there. Because I've heard people say, did you hear God? How did God call you into the ministry? And I said, I haven't heard any words. I'm not going. i got to have that faith that God has called me. But this scripture speaks otherwise. You can desire. It's a strong desire in your heart. And it's working. And as you step out, the gifts will be there. Because God placed the desire in your heart. But going that way, you have to realize that you are not called, you don't desire this to be in leadership. I want to have a church so I can tell the people what to do. That's not what God is calling you for. It's work. It's truly work. So it says if a, if a man desires the position of a bishop, God is pleased with that. You are going to be working <laughs> for him. That's easy. You desire good work. Amen. You desire to teach Sunday school? Great. That's a good job. Amen. You want to sing? You desire. That's great. Good. But not so you can be seen. But then the motive will be wrong. And that's where difficulties will come because no matter how good you are, there's going to be somebody who's better than you are. And when they show up because your motive was not right in the first place, guess what? You go the way of Saul and destroy yourself. 
Amen. So this is what it is. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. But look at what follows with that. A bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife. I was talking to, please cut this out. <laughs> I was talking to our district superintendent. <laughs> he was telling me, uh, you need to get in, take all of this stuff so you can be one of, uh, you know, your officially AG minister. And uh, we talked for a while. He said, I know, I know you can do these things. I mean, you can, st- you can do it. You're pretty smart. I saw all of that. And he said, I used to wonder what the problem was. And I guess he found that he thought I was married and had, <laughs> you know, the Africans have many wives. <laughs> he thought that was what was preventing me. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you be married or divorced. I said, no, sir. I only have one. <laughs> I've only been married once. You see, yeah, then you need to do this, you know. <laughs> but the husband of one wife. If you're an American, you don't understand that until you go to Nigeria because they can have many. <laughs> and when I was younger, I don't know where I'm going with this, but, <laughs> but when I was younger, I saw my father had several. Mercy and I, we are not of the same mother. And uh, <laughs> we have 14 of us in the home. I think my father had children from 10 women. And I was going to be a little bit moderate than he was. I was just going to have only six. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't say I said that, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, I have my liberty. <laughs> but now that I'm married, <laughs> I think one. That's real glory, brother. <laughs> yeah. It says, the husband of one white wife, temperate, sober-minded, good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, that means not a new convert. And this is where we really failed. We just put new converts in there. And I've seen it. is the path but once you will go, you will lord it over them, and then control them at your own advantage, and it won't bother you, because you don't have a broken heart. You're not contrite before God. You abuse God's people. It's a frightening thing to abuse. God spoke that to me. I never forget that. When I'm dealing with crisis, I I always remind myself. Go back and read. When I'm dealing with individuals, because God told me several times. Be very gentle with my people. 
be very, I've seen pastors that abuse God's people. I'm frightened for them. You don't want to go there. You really don't want to do that. So it's a place to serve. You're serving for their benefit. Sometimes they are not going to say thank you. But it really doesn't matter. You're not doing it for them. You're serving the Lord. And sometimes they'll turn against you. It's not God bless them. Whatever they're looking for, let them have it. Whatever it is that they desire, give it to them. And pray it till it comes from your heart. And then God is pleased. Because his word says he will be pleased with that kind of sacrifice. The next thing is to be faithful to the Lord. And this is the prime issue with God. He really puts a high price value on faithfulness. Being consistent. Being loyal. Consistently loyal. Loyalty is a, is a bad word in the church today. People don't stay loyal. But loyalty is really important if you want to be a leader in the house of God. And you can see that all the way back. David was very loyal to Saul, even to the very end. He could have taken Saul's life just like that. He never did it. He was very, very loyal, very faithful to to Saul. Uh, It's so important that we, we recognize that being loyal... Uh, I want to say this, uh, loyalty to whoever you're working with, to you, is, is two ways. Um, if, you don't, if you're not loyal, the end result is betrayal. You're going to betray. For example, Judas. Oh, Judas wasn't loyal to Jesus. He betrayed him. Peter was. All he did was deny him. He went back again. That's a big difference. Betrayal cost Jesus' life. Peter denied him. But he regretted it. Because he was loyal to his master. He was just afraid. The other guy, he wasn't loyal. And when you're not loyal, the end result is always betrayal. And God doesn't like that at all. So, faithfulness, that's a part of it. Loyalty. You can be counted on. You put, give peace. You know, you're consistent. So the one who you're working with, they are at peace. I don't have to second guess you. I know what you're like. You know what the leader is like. You know what he's going to do. Not up and down. Hot and cold. Angel and I have talked a lot about that consistency. It's people that I can just, I know, I just know them. I can trust them. You know, Angela, I know Fred is not here today. Some, some evening, uh, Wednesday evening, Fred comes in and I can tell he's very tired. He's consistent. He's always there. I, I don't, there's none of us that's perfect. But I think God will look at that. Uh, because nobody's dragging him here. He's doing that, not for me, not, I know he doesn't care what I think, but I know he cares about what God thinks about that. But some people just don't care. Those little things matter. If you cannot be faithful in the little things, 
Who's going to give you these big things to handle? That's, that's where faithfulness come, comes in. And I can't go into this because I have to quit. But the last thing is you have to be able to tolerate rejection. If you want to be a leader, you have to be able to tolerate it. Because you will be dealing with it a whole lot. <laughs> I know what it is now. Angela used to, <laughs> she, she'll stay awake, she couldn't sleep. You know, when somebody leaves the church, in those days, Angela would sit by the side of the bed and refuse to sleep. And she's thinking, what did we do? Maybe you shouldn't have said this. Maybe you didn't say something. And she won't sleep. She'll lie down and she'll be crying out to God. And uh, it was hard for her, for us. We didn't understand it. And I knew she loved some of those people dearly. And she couldn't understand why they just get upset. And they decide to leave. I thought we did everything well. We, well, we did our best. Uh, this was when we were still in my home. Before the church moved here. And I felt so bad for her because I had read from uh, church planting books that they would leave. So I just told them, I know, you, and one of them told me, if you don't do this and that, we'll, they'll all leave. I said, yeah, I know that. They can all leave. He said, that doesn't bother you. I said, no. I said, I know. He said, why? I said, because I read it in the books. They said, you all will leave. So you might as well leave right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's hard to take it you know you feel like it's something against you but I've come to realize both in college when I'm witnessing to people it's not about me they want to talk about Africa when they hear the accent where are you from and I told them I'm from Africa you have lions over there oh yes a bunch of them and tell them and say well tell me about them and they want to talk to me but once I change the topic and I said, well, let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, I really have a lot to study. <laughs> they tell me, and they throw me out. You know? So I, I learned very quickly, it's not about me. They are not rejecting me. They're just rejecting the message. But so you have to learn, and, and I can go too deep into this tonight. I have a lot of scriptures I wanted to share. If you cannot handle rejection, you're not ready for leadership in the church. You really are not. If you're thinking about becoming a pastor, a minister, you are going to go through it a lot. You have to be able to. Otherwise, you get bitter. Saul couldn't handle rejection. You know what that is? That's what destroyed him. No character. Dave, uh, Saul has killed his thousands, right? And David has killed his ten thousands. And Saul said, you see, they assigned to me just thousands. And to David, they assigned, he felt rejected. And it changed him. And he spent the rest of his life chasing after David. I don't think Saul would have died on, on Mount Gilboa if David was with him fighting. You agree with me? Saul wouldn't have gone to the witch of, witch of uh, Endor. To ask if David was fighting with him. He would have relied on David. David would have become so great. He would be afraid to fight with Israel. But he lost all of that. Because of envy. Why? 
he couldn't stand rejection. Couldn't stand it. He was still the king. He just couldn't stand rejection. He couldn't stand somebody else being praised. He couldn't handle it. He felt rejected. And uh, I was standing there as we were praying tonight, boy. And uh, the Lord, I believe, whispered to me, you missed one good point. And I'm going to share that with you. You cannot afford, as a leader, you cannot afford yourself to get discouraged. You cannot afford it. You can't allow it. If you allow discouragement, you're out. You're not really ready for it. And you can read in Joshua chapter 1 several times. God says, be of good courage. Don't allow yourself to be discouraged. Because once you get discouraged, even if you were great, God says it's over. Remember Elijah? Elijah got discouraged. And when he went to God, he went, you know, still a small voice. God says, okay, come home. It's over. Your ministry is over. When you get back, anoint Elisha. He's going to take over from you. Anoint this other man to be king. And this other man, and then it's over. Run things up. You can come home now. Once you get discouraged, he was a great man of God. But you cannot get discouraged. You cannot. Joshua, God told him repeatedly, don't allow yourself to get discouraged. Circumstances will come that will want to get you discouraged as a leader in the house of God. There's going to be a bunch of them, but don't allow it. Encourage yourself. David encouraged himself in the Lord when he was rejected. They were going to stone him, remember? His men, those were the men that he trained and raised up. They were going to stone him, and uh, he didn't say anything, went out, encouraged himself, and said, Okay, guys, I knew you wanted to stone me a minute ago, but now let's go pursue after them. They say, Yeah, let's go. (laughs) Right? Why? He wasn't discouraged. He didn't allow himself to be discouraged. He wept like the rest of them. But then he went in and encouraged himself in the Lord. He got out of discouragement. And then when he spoke, coming out of discouragement, the men listened. See, if you're discouraged, no one is going to listen to you. You cannot afford it as a leader. Amen. Thank you very much for letting me go more than the time. Stand up. <laughs> to do something a little different tonight. Um, Sherman, would you come down this way, please? Teresa. Can you close for us, please? Thank
Thank you. Yeah, you want to share? Just let him know. I sent this email out to the guys, some of you guys, I'm sure got it, and maybe read it, some have it over email for several days. My son sent me an uh, email, and he and I, I love traveling. We're going to take a trip to Kentucky. I don't know if it's going to be uh, our wives, and, uh, and he and I, or it might just be he and I, but he and I travel, and we'll talk for hours about spiritual things and stuff, and he is so challenging to me anyway. Uh, this was about Christmas, and since Christmas is here, uh, you know, Christmas is the uh, only birthday celebration that you don't give gifts to the birthday boy, right? But you know, Jesus said that, uh, looking at the, uh, the, the hurting and the, the homeless, those that, that was without, he says, when you do it under one of the least of these, you've done it under me. So our son told us this year, he said, look, instead of getting us something, my wife and myself, something for Christmas. He said, gave us two or three things. He said, give some money to one of these places where the people are hurting. So I encourage you this holiday season to get kingdom-minded and to be like Jesus. Okay? Do it unto him. Give him a present this year. Okay? It challenged my heart. So I just, I just passed the challenge on to you.